Somebody praise God. Would you just do me a favor? You just even in your seats if you're comfortable. Would you just lift your hands? Lift your hands in worship and adoration to the Lord. I believe the Holy Spirit's here right now. Amen. I believe the presence of a living God is here. And even through worship, there just seemed to be just a little some of you people here today. A spirit of heaviness. And I want to come against any work of the enemy that might inhibit and stop the word of God from penetrating the deepest parts of our hearts. Come on, if you're with your hands raised, you're just saying, God, have your way in my God, have your way in my God, have your way in my worship. Have your way in my heart and my life at this very moment, God. Father, that you would take total control over everything that pastor's about to preach, that it may sow deep into my heart and into my life. I come against the spirit of frustration right now. I come against the spirit of just apathy. I come against the work of the enemy that would inhibit anyone in this room from receiving what God has for you in this morning. I dare you right now to give God a Shabbat. Give God a praise like no other. Begin to praise him right now. Praise him like Abraham did. When the Bible says that Abraham, he lifted up an altar of worship and praise before God even did what Abraham knew he was going to do. Abraham lifted up a worship. If you expect God to do something in your life, I dare you just to praise God. I dare you just to worship God. I dare you to give God some real heart praise. Come on, if he's worthy, I dare you just to give him some praise. I'm challenging you right now to break through in your heart, break through in your spirit. Tells Scripture says that God made a promise to Abraham and Abraham built an altar of worship before he ever saw the promise come to pass. And us as Christians, we need to get to that point in our lives where we're praising God not after the storm, but through the storm. You're worshiping God when it's good and when it's bad. That you won't be a double-minded, fickle Christian who only praises God when the sun's out. Who only praises God when things are going your way. But that you will worship God in the toughest circumstances of life. Leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, I want you to high-five your neighbor and say, I believe God has a word for me in this morning. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. Hey, Mike, Mike, could you take the gate off completely off of this, Mike? And any dynamic effects, take them off completely, amen? Woo! I believe God wants to speak to your hearts today, amen? And I believe God wants to say something to y'all. I won't be here long before. I believe that God is going to really just get this one home for you really quickly, amen? Turn with me in your Bibles. I'm still in John, the 14th chapter. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And I'll be starting, and my only verse today for this chapter will be verse 26. And I really am excited just because I, I know the Holy Spirit, as we've been talking about, he's, he's got some things He wants to do in your heart and in your life. Amen. Last week's sermon, we covered the person of the Holy Spirit and His role in leading our lives. You all right there? You want to kill all my stage, buddy, and you, you'll be A-OK. The Holy Spirit is the residing presence of God in the believer. Scripture tells us that endless power is available to the believer and the followers of Christ because of the Spirit of God that is in us. Somebody say, in us. And the Holy Spirit is the promise of Jesus to every believer. And last week, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, and this week, I want to talk about the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the effects he has on the life of every believer. Somebody say every. And my thought process is, is what good is it to have knowledge of God but not live in the knowledge of God? What good is it to know about the Holy Spirit if not to know the purpose and the reason he is in our lives? And I want to help you kind of discover why the Holy Spirit has come into your life. Everybody here, uh, Scripture, we know the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, according to John 14, 15. And that's a scary thing sometimes to know that there's a living God living inside of you. God's living with you when you're in sin. 
God's living with you and you're doing all sorts of things. He's with you in the privatest moments of your life. But why is he with me? John 14, verse 26. The words of Jesus once again, and he says this. But the advocate, your Bible might say the helper. Some translations say the comforter. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, just as Jesus talking, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. He will remind you of everything I have said to you. I want to point out to you today three aspects of the Holy Spirit. The purpose and why he is in your life. And what I don't want you to do is limit him just to these three things. These are three of the many things the Holy Spirit can do. But I want to look at three of the things that are in this verse. Somebody say this verse. Because I know some people might just get super spiritual and say, well, that's not the only thing the Holy Spirit could do. So I want to put a disclaimer for all of our online listeners and all of our theologians in the building that you're just telling me, I'm letting you know right now, these are just three of the many, somebody say many, things the Holy Spirit can do in your life. And the way Jesus presents him to his disciples. In last week's sermon, I established the backdrop for this, this set of verses that this conversation takes place during the time of the Last Supper And Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's giving last-minute instructions. And he tells the disciples, the Holy Spirit, or as he calls them, the advocate. Uh, Some verses say the comforter. He will teach us all things. And the Holy Spirit has a few different roles, and we're going to look at those today. And when Jesus speaking to his disciples, individuals who know and believe that Jesus is God, They believe Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And he says, but the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything. The first and foremost character of the Holy Spirit is he is a comforter. Immediately, this scares the daylights out of me. As a believer, this tells me many things. First and foremost, he is a comforter. I told you last week this word comforter is the word parakletos in the Greek. And this word means one who assists or pleads the case of another. And this description of the Holy Spirit defines one of the greatest characteristics of the Holy Spirit and the purpose he has in your life. He is a comforter. Jesus is talking to 11 disciples, 11 men Judas has left who were nearest and dearest to him. And they were greatly troubled that Jesus was talking about dying and leaving And he says, but guys, don't worry. I'm sending you a comforter. The Holy Spirit was the one who would comfort the fact that Jesus was leaving. The Holy Spirit was the one who would comfort them through all troubles, trials, and tribulations. I have an interesting story about a comforter. I was telling some of my leaders just the other day that I was listening to a pastor named Robert Morris, one of my favorite preachers from Gateway Church in Texas. He has a big church out there, and he told a story that I had a very similar kind of exact same story that he had concerning a comforter. And my story goes like this, that my wife and me, we had just got married and and my mother-in-law was gracious enough to buy us this really nice comforter set for our king-size bed. I think it was from from Macy's or, or one of those big, you know, stores. And it was like really expensive. And she came to my house with this big, beautiful comforter. And my thing was that I had always slept with this brown comforter that I had for like 10 years. Anybody had that favorite blanket? All the people said amen. Got your favorite pair of underwears, man. You don't even care if it got holes in it. You're going to wear it because that's your favorite. Your, husband, your, your wife or your girlfriend, throw them away. You're like, no, it's broken in, girl. And so she got us this comforter. My wife had her bright orange comforter that she brought into the marriage. And I had my brown comforter that I brought into the marriage. And we would sleep under our own covers. When things happened, we got into the same cover. But we slept under separate covers. Because I'm the kind of guy, I need my own blanket. I'm an alpha male. I'm in charge of the bed, girl. And I need her to under... I'm just playing. Baby, where you at? I'm just playing. She's in charge of the whole house. Don't let her fool you. And I was, I, was, I was getting ready for bed that night, and usually she goes to bed way before me. But that night, for certain reasons, we were going to bed at the same time. And uh, this is before she got pregnant. And so <laughs> we are, we, we're going to bed. And she had put the comforter on. She had put all the, I guess they call them throw pillows. All the pillows were up and, and the bed was looking so pretty and nice and it's so beautiful, comforter said. And then we, we, got, we got to the time we're about to crawl into the bed and she took the pillows off the bed and put them to the side. And she took the comforter 
and she took it off the bed and put it to the side. And I said, honey, what you doing? Well, Lewis, we're not going to use that comforter. It's like those two blue towels. If you've been to my house, I have two blue towels on a towel rack in my bathroom. And apparently I found out one day I'm not supposed to use these towels. And this pastor told these two stories about a comforter and a towel. And I had both those same experiences. But then he fast forwards and says, but the Holy Spirit is not that kind of comforter you can't use. He's the kind of comforter that wants to clothe you and be with you forever and always. And Jesus is talking to these disciples, and he desires this comforter to be in their lives. He's saying, I'm going to send you somebody to say, a comforter. But when I hear that, man, that scares the daylights out of me. Church, i got to be honest. When I hear that I'm going to need a comforter, that bothers me in the deepest part of me because I realize that in order to need a comforter, I must be uncomfortable in my life. The Christian should be uncomfortable in our daily life, not uncomfortable in the Word of God or uncomfortable. I mean, we should find ourselves that we don't belong in some of the places that we are in. Trial and tribulation should not be uncommon to the believer. And this statement that Jesus says, I will send you a comforter, it comes with deep implications from Jesus. The word he is using is really a demand for us to understand that as believers, we're going to go through. And Jesus, he says to his disciples in John, the 15th chapter, in verse 18, listen guys, if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. This is alarming to me that in John 16, verses 1 through 4, Jesus says that, to his disciples, you will be put out of the synagogues. That's a Jewish form of, of temple and church, and that's where all the Jews would meet on, on their Sabbath. And he says, you'll be kicked out of the synagogue. He says in one verse, he says, people will kill you and think they are doing the work of the Lord. John 16, Jesus declares to his disciples in the same conversation, in this world, you will have trouble. And he says, you're going to need somebody say a comforter. I look across the world and I see it's not too hard to understand. Maybe in our pampered American lifestyle, we don't understand the need for a comforter. But all across the world in Asia, all across the world in many countries, in Sudan, and all across the Middle East, Christians are being murdered and killed by the thousands. Burned alive, beaten to death, stoned, beheaded all across the world. And Jesus says, listen, they did it to me first, they'll do it to you. You will need a comforter. I, I look across the world and I see the radical things of the world. I see the agenda of the world pushing abortion on the church, pushing same-sex marriage on the church, and yet if we stand up and hold a biblical worldview, then we are automatically now radical, and we're supposed to be tolerant, and we're supposed to be comfortable with everything the devil is doing. But Jesus said, you need a comforter because you're going to be uncomfortable. It tells us, be tolerant of everyone. But they're not tolerant of us. Our kids can't pray in school. We can't mention Jesus in the courtroom. Sportscasters laugh at stars in the sports arena when they mention and give glory to God. But we're told to be tolerant, but yet it's reversed. Understand, it's reversed on us now because they don't tolerate Jesus. And then we're radical, and then we're the ones who are wrong as Christians, as followers of the way. And if that makes you feel uncomfortable, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will come comfort you. If anything I just said offends you, don't worry, the Holy Spirit can and will comfort you. Because we as believers need a comforter. Jesus said the world would hate us. Understand when he said the world, he's not talking about people. He's talking about a mindset against God. He's talking about the principalities of the air. He's talking about the enemy. He's talking about the devil. He is not talking about people because understand something, sinners love Jesus. Because Jesus brought hope. He brought peace. He brought forgiveness of sins. For years, the church told, the, told Christians, don't hang out with sinners. And Jesus did the exact opposite. He hung out with them at every avenue, every chance he got. You're going to need a comforter in this walk with God. I look at scripture and think of all the trials of the disciples. I look at Stephen when he was being stoned in Acts chapter 7 verse 54 and he was able to smile 
and have a vision of God and have a vision of heaven while he's being stoned alive. He had a comforter. I think of the early church in Acts chapter 8 when great persecution broke out and people were dislocated from their homes and yet they were okay. They were joyful because they had somebody say a comforter. I look at Paul and Silas in Acts the 16th chapter. In jail, they were imprisoned and yet they were praising God. They had a comforter in their lives. I look at Paul in Acts 27 and 28 where he shipwrecked. I look at the martyrdom of the apostle James in Acts 12 and he's killed because of the, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he's preaching. And yet these disciples, peace, they had joy. Do you know why? They had the Holy Spirit. Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he is being martyred. He is being stoned to death. And yet he's having a vision of heaven. And you, one thing goes wrong and we turn from God. Church, I want to ask you today, are you accessing the power of the Holy Spirit? Being joyful in the midst of trial. I could never compare my hardships to the hardship of the apostles. I would never dare to look around the world and view my hardships as as what they're going through. But even in the things that I have endured, I've seen God's hand with me. I've seen the Holy Spirit comfort me when my father went on to be with the Lord. I saw the Holy Spirit comfort me when I had pastor at 22. I saw the Holy Spirit guide me when I had to preach every Sunday. I saw the Holy Spirit working me when I had to do the will of God and I had nothing Hope and expectation on God. He's been with me through thick and thin highs and lows. The Holy Spirit has guided me when depression tried to roll into my life. It was the Holy Spirit who worked in me when, when I was declaring that I had predestined you. The Holy Spirit told me when I thought God had no When my hope was lost in life, it was the Holy Spirit who guided me. And somebody knows that when you thought about suicide, it was the Holy Spirit who said, I have called you. I have purposed you. When the things of the world have seemingly blinded you, it was the Holy Spirit who worked you through it. Every time I walk up those back steps, I have the same words fall from my lips. Holy Spirit, overflow in me, for I have nothing to say to these people, and you have everything to say to them. Any preacher who who would go before the platform and go before the people without getting before the Lord first is a fool. It takes the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is he who comforts the mothers who's lost a child. The Holy Spirit who comforts the wife whose husband has left. The Holy Spirit is the one who comforts the brokenhearted and the downcast. He is the one who's there for the woman who's been raped and violated. He comforts them. He is the one for the father who comforts the fathers who have lost their sons in the streets. He is the one who comforts the kids who have no fathers. It's the Holy Spirit who cries out, lean on me when you have no answers for life. It is the Holy Spirit in you who will carry you through in your marriage and things seem hopeless. It is the Holy Spirit who will get before the Father and intercede in your behalf as Jesus said, he is one who advocates for you. It is the Holy Spirit. Understand church, there's no storm too great and no trial too devious that the Holy Spirit will not guide you through. Paul singing in jail. If he can make a joyful noise while in the midst of trouble, you can make a joyful noise in the midst of the circumstances and trials of life. His praise happened to open the gates of his cell. Peter's in jail and the Bible says the angel of the Lord came to him because the spirit of God was in him. Understand all throughout the book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit in the early church. The whole book. It's about the Holy Spirit and how he acted throughout the new believers. That's the comforter you need. The comforter who in the worst times of your life will come to you and say to you, it's all right, I'm with you. You have nothing to fear for God is on your side. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter. And then Jesus goes on to say, I'm going to as a teacher, the Holy Spirit teaches all things. Let me remind you, Jesus reveals the Holy Spirit is this teacher. And what you have to understand is even to this point, his disciples looked at Jesus wrong. 
They thought he was the Messiah, but they thought he was going to establish this earthly kingdom and be like King David, and that he would overthrow every government that was a threat to the sovereignty of Israel, and that he would give them offices, and they would be governors, and this and that. That's the picture they had in their mind. And so when Jesus speaks of death, they get sad, and they don't understand that he's establishing, somebody say, a heavenly kingdom. They believed he would do all these things, but in the wrong capacity. They have yet to have this great revelation of God and Jesus. And Jesus says, I- I'm going to send you this teacher. And they're like, but Jesus, we're okay with you. You're a pretty good teacher yourself. I don't, I don't need you to take Jesus. You can stay here with us and you teach us. And Jesus declared the Holy Spirit would teach you. I thought one thing and in my life, but yet God showed me what he did call me for. Have you ever been to a place in your life where you thought God wanted to do X, Y, Z, but he said, no, do A, B, C? And that's where these, these disciples are at in their walk with God, in their walk with Jesus, rather. And he says, the Holy Spirit will remind you of all things. I'm still in verse 26. The Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you of all things. And evidence of this is in Acts 2, when Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he begins to preach And he now starts taking Old Testament scriptures and prophecies. And he says, this is the day that they have spoken of, that I will pour out my spirit, Joel chapter 2, on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. And you will see great visions. And he starts preaching about the Old Testament. God is doing in the present based on what he prophesied. Because the Holy Spirit began to remind him. Jesus declared in John 16, 13, that the Spirit... Of truth. The Holy Spirit comes. He will guide the disciples into all truth. Somebody say all truth. Not some truth, but all truth. Listen to his words. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you cannot see me any longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world stands Condemned. Somebody say condemned. For the unbeliever, the, somebody say unbeliever, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to teach you and convict you, or as some translations say, convince you the error of your ways. When you first came to God, he was convicting and convincing you that you're living in sin, that there's things wrong in your life. Most times when you come to God, there's this gradual change. Years, I, I, I watched Family Guy until the Holy Spirit convicted me about the, the level of mockery of God in that show. And I had to put it away and say, you know what? I don't want things in my life that don't please God. God had to convict me earlier on in my years of, of being a Christian that smoking cigarettes was wrong. It poisoned my body, and my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There were things in my life that I didn't think were sinful, but the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. And maybe in your life, he's working gradually, and you say, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. That's sinful. That doesn't please God. He sanctifies you continuously. He will guide you into all truth day by day. He'll work in you. He'll take things out. He'll weed things out of your life. Daily, he reminds me of how I should be walking in the new life that Christ has given me. Daily, not when I feel like it, but every moment of my life. Somebody say every moment. Christ should be in me. The Holy Spirit will guide me into all truth. He will expose Understand, he will expose the works of Satan in your life. He will expose friendships that are not good for your walk with Christ. He'll expose people who aren't good for your life at this season of your life. He'll expose your own wicked ways. He'll expose your own greediness. He'll expose your own gossiping heart. He'll expose your own bad attitude. And the problem with many believers is you want to be the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, sister, your problem is you just talk too much. And if you had never talked about so and so, they wouldn't have came and slapped you. But I, I've learned through my walk with Christ that the more I exemplify Christ, that's a better people rather than always trying to tell them what's wrong with them. I'm going to show them with my own actions. It's not your job to be anybody's Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can be the Holy Spirit. That may sound simple. But it's not because oftentimes you want to tell everybody what's wrong with them. Let's look inward. Let's look right here. The Holy Spirit 
will convince you of the things that you have done that don't please God. The Holy Spirit will also teach us the truth about Satan. He'll teach you that. let Let me backtrack. Jesus declared the Holy Spirit will prove the world about righteousness. What the Holy Spirit proves you is that your sin condemned you, but Jesus freed you from your sin by his death on the cross and gave you grace, and there's nothing you can do to be righteous. He's not proving that you have to be righteous. He's proving the righteousness of God that's already in you because you get the Holy Spirit right there. That's the work of the Holy Spirit according to righteousness. He says, Jesus said this, according to righteousness, because I go where you can't see me. What does that have to do with righteousness? Because Jesus is the standard of righteousness. And the disciples are no longer to visibly see him. They would now have to be reminded of all things about Jesus in order to know what righteousness looks like. And righteousness is imputed to us. That's a big word that just means given to you freely. Given to you because of what Christ did. And you are given that righteousness by God. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit will teach us, and he will remind us. He will teach us and remind us. He'll teach you about Satan. That's what the Bible says. He'll teach you about Satan, that he is already condemned. And some of you think that Satan is running rampant in your life. Church, he is condemned. He is defeated. It's planted seeds long ago. And you fed the seeds of the enemy rather than the works of God. I don't, under, I don't think most of us understand that Satan is defeated. That's thank you. I don't know who said that, but thank you. Because to me, that's great news to know the devil's been defeated. And that the problems that I'm having are my inner struggle of accepting God's work in my life. Satan's been defeated, and the Holy Spirit will reveal to you that he is powerless. Verse 13 of 16 of chapter 16 in John says this, But when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So we see the Holy Spirit as a comforter. We see the Holy Spirit as, somebody say, a teacher. And you, as a believer, you can trust the Holy Spirit's guidance because verse 13, 16, it tells us. What what does it tell us? That the Holy Spirit only speaks what God says. I have to point these things out to you until I get to my, my major point because if you don't understand that he's a comforter and that he is a teacher and he is a reminder, you might miss this entire message. I want you to say it with me. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He is a teacher. And he is a reminder. He comforts. He teaches. He reminds us. The story in Acts chapter 10, a story of the apostle Peter, and Peter is sitting and he's really hungry and the Bible says people are cooking for him and he has a vision. He falls into a trance and has a vision of all these animals he considers unclean. Jews considered pigs and different animals unclean. And he feels the unction of the Holy Spirit and in the vision, the Bible says that he hears a voice and it says, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter's like, no God, I can't eat that. That's unclean. That's unclean. And God says to him, don't ever call what I've made clean, unclean. What am I saying? The Bible says next, when he wakes up, what happens? The Spirit of the Lord spoke to him. And he directed his path. He will show you what is to come, the Bible says. He directs your path. Somebody Tell your neighbor, he's gone somewhere. The Holy Spirit directs our path. So he teaches He comforts, he reminds, he directs. He will teach, comfort, remind, direct. And here's the reason why he does all of those things. The Holy Spirit wants you to bear fruit. If he doesn't teach you, he can't hold you accountable. If he doesn't teach you, he can't say, why'd you do that? I told you don't do that. The Holy Spirit can't do that. The ultimate goal of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify you gradually. Understand today that if you had offered your life to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And over time, you will realize how many things of your life don't please God. How many couples do I know coming to this church, living together, and then God begins to work in your life, and they get convicted of the fact that they're living, not married, and they go towards the steps of marriage because they feel convicted of the Holy Spirit. How many folks, you came to God and you knew gradually your attitude had to change. 
Your mentality has to change. The way you speak has to change. The way you live has to change because the Holy Spirit wants to bear somebody shout fruit. Last week, I read Galatians 5, and I talked to you about the things that don't please God, the things that are in your life that aren't of God. And those things are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and all these different things. He names a litany of things that don't please God. And then he ends it by saying, but those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul challenges the church, as I challenge you, to live by the Spirit. What does it mean to live by the Spirit, and how does that affect your life? You live by the Spirit by allowing him, number one, to comfort you. Number two, somebody say to teach me. And so I, I, I want you to understand is that because of the sin nature in you, we oftentimes don't realize the things that God has placed in us. And one of the goals of the Holy Spirit is to reveal in you what Satan's trying to hide. The Lord and the Holy Spirit desire, somebody say desire, to bring out the worshiper in you when Satan tries to make you an idol for people in the world to sing. Look all across the world. Look at the greatest singers of our time. They're idolizing. Many of them started in church. Look at some of the greatest musicians playing on the greatest stages, leading people not to God. And Satan's plan is always to take what God has given you and pervert it. He tries to take sex and turn it into something dirty. Now, understand God made sex. God made it to be good within the confines of marriage. But Satan always tries to, somebody say, pervert. I know that might be hard to understand, so I have a little bit of something here that I want to show y'all. Somebody say amen. I have this, this little thingamabob here, and I want to just, let me see, I get that right here. Where's Jim? I need, I need, I need Jim. Oh, there you go, Manny. I got a fire in case. And I want, I want to just exhibit to you all. Somebody say, Pastor, don't start a fire. And, you know, here, here's the problem is that many Christians, you don't live and allow the Spirit to live in you. And so I want to just... There we go, if I can get this thing going. All right. That's the Holy Spirit. See, you are the pot. Somebody say, I'm the pot. I'm not condoning pot. I'm talking about cooking pots. You are this pot. And what you have to understand is the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you. Somebody say, a work in me. And if you don't allow the Holy Spirit's fire, that's the fire, to begin to work in you, you won't see anything happen. And sometimes when you're working in the Holy Spirit and you're operating what God's trying to do in you, it takes a little longer. And inside of you might be sexual immorality, but God wants to turn it back into love. And inside of you might be drunkenness, but God wants you to turn it into commitment to his word instead. And inside of you might be things that God doesn't want. So God and the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you, but he's transformed my life. Somebody say transformed. Now, you have to understand the Holy Spirit wants to do two things. He wants to transform some things and he wants to remove some things. Say it with me. Transform and remove. I want to wind this all up. I'm telling you, God wants to say something today really simple. And that is if you allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to begin to work in you, you will begin to see God just do miraculous things things in your, did you hear that? Oftentimes you can't hear it at first. If you listen good, you can hear what God's doing. And if you tune into the spirit, when you least expect it, God will begin to see. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I first came to God, here confession 101 that most of you might know. When I began pastoring, I was still smoking cigarettes. It did not make it right, but God gave me grace until I came to the realization that it was sin. And so at some point in my, are we working good here? At some point in my, where we at? All right, at some point, we're good. Somebody, we're good. In my life, God had to begin to do some transformation in my life. Does anybody want to be transformed by God? You might not hear it, but God is transforming my little pot right now. 
You might not see it, but God is transforming. And here's my point. You have to stay faithful to the voice of the Spirit in you. You can't keep going back and forth between God's voice in you and the voice of the world in you. And before you know it, you're going to see and reveal and God will show you that he is trying to bring change and miraculous things in your life. If you stay, somebody shout faithful. Oh, come on, I said shout faithful. And when you're faithful to God, you to do things in you. And maybe you couldn't hear it at first, but if you listen, you hear that? God will begin to do things and throw some things out of your life. And God will begin to push things out of your life. And God will begin to just, I'm telling you, at first, you didn't know what was happening. And you're saying, God, I want you. I want the spirit in my life. And God said, I got to throw some things out. I got to push some things out of you. And there's things in you that I want to transform in you. But you can't do it by yourself. You got to do it by the spirit. You got to live by the spirit. You got to let God work in you. And God will just begin to throw things out of you. And you just begin to, God, I don't know what's going on. And I don't know why I'm not your friend no more. Oh, I know why. Because you're not good for my life. And God will take your addictions. He'll throw them out. God will take everything in you. If you allow the spirit, man, what are you doing? Let's go. He'll, he'll do the spirit in you. He'll work in you. And you don't realize what God's doing until somebody shouts suddenly. Suddenly, the Bible says, Acts chapter 2, they were praying in one room until suddenly there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind and it was the power of the Holy Spirit. And you might not understand God's work in you right now. You might not see God's work, but somebody shouts suddenly. The Holy Spirit will begin to throw things out of your life. He'll begin to transform things in your life and that lust will turn it back into love. That burden will turn back into freedom. Those things that don't please God will turn into things that God has predestined you. And here's what you don't understand. That you don't understand that you're going to need a comforter because God's going to make a mess in your life. You don't understand God is trying to do something bigger than what you're able to see right now. And it might take some time, but rest assured, God wants to throw some things out of your life. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some people might want to eat that and partake of it, but God says, I don't want you to partake of it. Don't pick up what I've thrown out. Don't bring back that boyfriend, that girlfriend. Don't bring back that addiction. Don't bring back that lifestyle. Stay in me. Stay in me. And I in you. Because without me, John chapter 15, the true vine, you can't do anything. <clears throat> do you understand at the Holy Spirit, my, 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 my second point in this illustration is that you didn't know that was in the pot. Maybe Josh did because he bought me the popcorn seeds. Pastor, what are you saying? Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying to you right now that there are things in your life that you might not realize are there. Maybe God's calling you to be a pastor. Maybe God's calling you to be a worshiper. But before you can do those, maybe you should just be an usher. Teach a Sunday school class. Volunteer in your local church. And you don't realize the heart that God's given you for ministry until you get into the Holy Spirit and he begins to transform some things in your life. And things that were once inert, unactive in your life, that were just completely not tuned in. You didn't know it was, I never knew I had the ability to stand before people and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I never knew I had the ability when I was 10 years old to play the piano. And one day I just said, you know what? I want to play. It's going to burn. We're doing, we're doing all right. I said, one day I want to play the piano. And I got behind the piano. And for six and a half years, maybe 10 years, I kid you not, I've been playing for 16 years. I sat in front of my keyboard and I said, Lord, 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 help me to play this piano. And I sounded like garbage. Year two, Lord, help me to play this piano. Started playing, and it sounded like, but I didn't give up. In year number three, and four, and five, and then I went to Jimmy Swagger's church, and I had a new prayer. I said, Lord, give me a double anointing of what you've given Jimmy Swagger to play the piano. And then I went to play the piano, and I sounded like garbage. And then, and then I went back to seventh year, eighth year, and ninth year. I said, Lord, I want you to teach me how to play this piano. And then I learned a little bit, but I still don't sound that and you know why? Because I wasn't called to play the piano. I was called to play the role of a pastor. And I prayed long enough. I, I prayed long enough 
that God sent Stephen into my life. And when I first met Stephen, and Stephen I and me weren't friends too much, Stephen always wanted to play my piano. Always come to my church. He used to go to a different church. He would come in to one of my services. He'd be in the back row, and I'm preaching. He's like, I'm like, I tell the ushers, keep that fool away from my drums and my piano. I'm telling you the truth. Ask him. It's true, Stephen. And this is what happened. One day, one day, the Lord began to work in Stephen. And Stephen came to me. He came to my house one day, and I looked at him, and I said, Stephen, the Lord has showed me that you're my replacement. The Lord has shown me that you, you're my Joshua. And Stephen looked at me and said, Pastor, I don't see what you see in me. And maybe you're sitting here saying, Pastor, I don't see what God sees in me. And, and I was saying it just the other day when I first told Marie that she had a calling on her life. She emailed me back. You had the right person? I remember when I told Melvin, I said, God's going to make you a minister and then a pastor. Are you talking to the right person? When I see the calling of God and you may not see what God, you may not see what God has in your pot, but I'm telling you, if you let the Holy Spirit work in you and you will let him teach you and remind you and to comfort you, you will let him work in you and do a new thing in your life. Things that you did not know were possible <coughs> will begin to flow out of your life. Maybe you don't realize the call of God. But if you will let the Holy Spirit in. Maybe you're sitting here today and you got things in your life that you know don't please God. You see, what I, what I, what I haven't really illustrated to you very well is that there's more popcorn in the pan. I throw it out. Than there is on the floor. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that there's going to be more things that God keeps in your life than God throws out. And you're so worried about the things that God has taken out that you're not concerned with the things that he's keeping in and you're focusing on that boyfriend on that husband on that this you're saying God and God's like I'll take care of this mess I'll take care of that you worry about this you worry about your prayer life you worry about your reading the word I'll take care of the mess around you I'll take care of the storm if you if you if you would worry about the things that I desire of your life if you would worry not about all the things you can't control if you would worry about what I'm trying to do in your life if you would worry about that I feel the Holy Spirit I came in here today and I was like Lord I just want them to see that although you're going to cause a mess in your life there's more left inside when you're done working and if you think God's done with you if you think you have nothing to offer him I want to be so bold as to tell you that you are dumb you are foolish to believe that God cannot use you. You are foolish to believe that God cannot. Where, where's Juan? Come here, Juan. Juan's, Juan's like my hidden bass player. Come here. Say hi, Juan. This is Juan, a.k.a. Juancho, a.k.a. Pepe. And Juan desired to learn an instrument called the drums, but... I didn't need a drummer. I needed a bass player. And so I put a bass in his hands and I, I told Daniel and Emma and a couple of guys, I said, teach this monkey the bass. And he was like, I'll try it. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a whack. Want to play me a key? Give me an ear. Give me something. And now, he, see, he plays. <laughs> he didn't know he could. Where's Elias? Come here, Elias. This is Elias. He was my first drummer. Come, they can't see you. This is my first drummer. They can't clap on beat. No joke. No, I'm serious. He can't clap on beat. But one day, someone full of the Holy Spirit walked up to him and one drum beat and said, you're a drummer. Now be a drummer for your church. And then this joker picked up a guitar and said, I'm going to learn this next too. I'm talking about... Oh, hold. see this giant right here this is my first bass player somebody put a bass in his hands and said listen you're going to play the bass we never thought we could do it we didn't see what God saw in us but yet God saw what I'm trying to tell you is that maybe you don't know what God's called you to but there's something in you that God's trying to pull out of you through the power of the Holy Spirit 
purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring out the fruit of the life of Christ. For me, that fruit is not just love, patience, gentleness, kindness, and all those things. For me, that fruit is pastoring one of the most amazing churches that I've ever been a part of in my life. For Daniel, he's my lead guitarist. For Jonathan, he's my one of my youth leaders. He's part of our new members team. He's sitting here playing guitar for me. For AJ, he's one of our creative directors. He's playing keyboards. He's producing music. For everybody else, it might be different, but God has called you for something, and he's trying to pull what he placed in out. <clears throat> and I'll close with this. See, I put the seeds in the pot. I did that. And I knew they were there. And so I turned on the fire, knowing that at some point, it's going to start popping. Pastor, what are you saying now? I'm saying to you that there's things that God has placed in you. And he knows. Why did God go through so much trouble to have his son come down the cross for you? Why, why did he do that? Because God knew this. That what he had placed in you was so powerful and so precious and so amazing that he'd be crazy not to try to get you back. So that he could bring you into the fold. He could bring you into his call. You can have the Holy Spirit, the fire of God in you. And then you would begin to exhibit the things of God in your life. And maybe some of you have spent your whole life living, doing what the world has called you to do. But God says, my son, my daughter, it's time for you to do what I've called you to do. It's time for you to rise up and to live the life that I've called you to, whether small or great. God is calling you. Come on, stand with me. Just bow your heads all across this room right now. Poor ushers, we need the broom again. Come on, just bow your heads. <coughs> Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to have the worship team come on up as they grab their mics out of the popcorn. And, and I'm going to have them sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I want this to be Welcome in you. Turn your mic. Standing here, your only prayer right now is Holy Spirit. I want to be like that little pot. Lord, I want things that you put in me to come out. I want to know the things that don't please you. And Lord, I want to know the things you want me to keep. Come on. Every head bowed, every eye closed right now. Don't look around. Nobody's important right now but God. Nobody's important right now but God. Your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. That's what we want in our hearts, in our lives. Come on, I don't care if you're saved or not saved. If you want the fire of the Holy Spirit to come on you, if you want the glory of the Holy Spirit to just overflow in you, He's already there. If you would just cry out from the overflow, lift your hands as high as you can. I want that power. I want those things that are in my life to come on out. I don't want these things that don't please I don't want nothing that does not please you in my life. Come on, you're lifting your hands as high as you can. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. I want you with our worship team. I want you to cry with them. And Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my heart. You're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you see every heart and you know they have a call. Nobody's here by accident. No one's here created by accident but by your divine purpose your divine call your presence is what we need in our hearts to be so more evident God come on if you want that fire you're lifting your hands as high as you can Holy Spirit you see every hand lifted you see every hand raised Lord take things out leave things in show us 
Show us, God. Show us, God. You want in us what you don't want in us, God. Your presence, Lord, your presence.